Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. Click of a button. Boom, boom. Zing, zang. It's like live right now. We're recording. It's fantastic. And I am really excited to introduce you all to today's guest. Super cool guy. Super cool. Go check out the video in Palm Springs with his baller glasses. Beautiful weather. Meanwhile, it's snowing in New Hampshire over here. Um, he is an entrepreneur. He's a speaker. He's an author. He is a really cool guy. He was actually named uh, 30 under 30 list of America's coolest entrepreneurs and then 40 under 40 top entrepreneurs like it just keeps going probably 50 60 it'll just keep going it's like a, it's like a railroad train here um he's been featured on investors business daily the wall street journal abc fox he's the author of authority marketing which i can't wait to talk about and the founder and ceo of advantage and Forbes books adam woody welcome to the show sir Casey, what a what a great pleasure to be here, and I promise you, uh, I am not usually living this baller lifestyle. Uh, oh, stop normally. it! We know every every weekend, right? <laughs> this is this is a very special occasion, uh, but I'm uh, really excited to be with you here from Palm Springs, California, where it's 75 degrees and sunny. 
Excellent. Well, we can all sort of vicariously live through this podcast. We're all there with you at the beach house. Uh, having a great time. It's like a podcast party. Yes, it is. So, man, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, and, you know, I didn't even mention this, but like Advantage was actually the publisher that, that I've worked with to publish my book. And so yeah. I'm excited to talk to you. We're going to talk about books. We're going to talk about authority, marketing, which I know you are, you are not only a champion, you're like a thought leader around this topic, the idea of combining authority and marketing. And so yeah. we're going to start today's show off the way we start every show. And I have to grab this thing. Yeah. Really heavy, actually. Oh, God, it's so heavy. Here you go. <laughs> this is Thor's hammer. Go ahead, take that. You got it? Yeah. Oh, okay, got go it. You got it. Okay. Take that and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception just drives you crazy. Set the record straight. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to the standing and stature you have in your industry, uh, the conception is that you have to put in your dues. And in order to become an authority, you have to wait your turn in line. Mm. And that is baloney. Baloney. Uh, Got it. Baloney. Uh, so we like to say, uh, and we always preface it with don't, don't tell your friends. But the, the little secret here is that authority can be manufactured. Interesting. And what we mean by that is not that your authority is fake. What we mean by that is that you can strategically and systematically position yourself as the authority in your industry, in your community, in your marketplace. And you know, and I know that, that marketing is positioning. Marketing is positioning a person. Marketing is positioning of a brand, of a company. And so authority marketing is positioning you as a thought leader in your industry. And the more of a thought leader you are seen to be by others, the more stature and the more position you have over all of your competitors. And so when you're seen as a leader, an expert, a celebrity, for lack of a better term, um, that gives you an incredible advantage over all of the other companies and people you compete with in your space. Wow. Wow. The, the combination of authority and marketing and tying it all into positioning. It, what is really positioning to you when you boil it down? Yeah. So positioning is the ideas, the images, the thoughts that come to your mind when you think of a person, a brand, a company, right? And all of those thoughts that come to mind, they are created for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's what your next door neighbor said about uh, a store that they shopped at. It's about a Super Bowl commercial that you saw on TV a couple of weeks ago. It's about your personal experience interacting with that person, interacting with that company. So all of those things, uh, they all ultimately congeal together and create a position which for lack of a better word is an opinion. It's yeah. an opinion that you have of that person, of that brand, of that company. So that's what positioning is. Now, when we say authority can be manufactured, the point that we're making is that you as an entrepreneur, you as a business owner, you can help control the message 
and you can help control the opinion, the position that your brand, that you yourself have in that person's mind. Mm. And so, you know, rather than leaving it to chance, right, or, or rather than saying, well, you know, look, I'll just put in my dues and I'll keep my head down. And in 20 years, people will see me as an authority. What I'm saying is if you don't want to wait for 20 years, then you can proactively change the way that people see you and change the opinions they have of you uh, in some, in some cases, almost overnight. Yeah. Yeah. No, and not, you know, waiting that 20 years, you, you may now be not the thought leader anymore because maybe you're dated or made like, who knows? So yeah, I could see the risk of just saying, well, let me just, you know, wait my turn. Now at the same time, does that mean, I mean, you still, where's that person just working hard for 20 years, you're going to manufacture it. Do you still need to work or is it just like it comes to you? Where's the intersection? Yeah. So, so the biggest thing is um, I'm not saying to fake it. Okay. Uh, what I'm saying is that in order to be an authority, in order to be a thought leader, you've got to know your stuff. Right. But the truth, Casey, is that most business owners, they know their stuff. And, and number one, it's almost as if they're embarrassed to share with other people what they know. So that's the first thing. Hmm. The second thing is like, you know, when we were kids, uh, I don't know about your mom, but, but my mom, you know, she would say, Adam, don't be a showboat. Hmm. Um, you know, Adam, you know, keep to yourself. Uh, Adam, don't show off. It isn't attractive, right? Hmm. And so, so as kids, a lot of us had this programming that it was a bad thing to call any attention to ourselves. Well, as you know, and I think as all of your listeners know, uh, if you want to compete and win in the marketplace, you've got to call attention to yourself. Otherwise, people won't know about you. They won't know who you are. They won't even know that you exist. So that's what marketing is. Marketing is calling attention to yourself, to your brand, to your company. Authority marketing is calling that same attention to yourself, but calling the attention to yourself because of everything that you know, right? Right. And so, so like, yeah, there's like, there's something to it. It's not just, hey, let me, let me get your attention with some clickbait. It's, it, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I see how that would then tie into you want to actually help people. And as an authority, you can then help them because you have the knowledge they need. So, so we always say, look, if, if you're uncomfortable with calling attention to yourself, okay, that's fine. But if you believe in what you and your company do, then you have a moral obligation to share what you know with as many people as you possibly can. And that really is authority marketing. Authority marketing is sharing what you know with as many people as you possibly can to help them. Right. Right. And, and how do you help them? Well, maybe you write a book about what you know so much about. Uh, maybe you write articles and blogs and create your own podcast and, and write white papers and special reports to share what you know with other people. Right. Maybe you're interviewed on radio or television or you're interviewed on a podcast, kind of like right. what you and I are doing right now, or, or maybe you're invited to speak at a conference 
to share what you know with your peers. Well, all of those things, those are all elements and pillars of creating authority. Yeah. It's all part of authority marketing. Where do you start? Where does someone say, okay, we've got a company, we can help people. We yep. realize we have this obligation to do that. First step out the door. Where, where, what is that? Yeah. So the first thing that I would tell you is, is remember this, people don't want to be sold anything, yeah, right? Amen to that, um, yeah. People don't want to be sold, but also don't forget they sure do like to buy, right? <laughs> and so, you know, if somebody is looking to buy something, uh, what are they doing? Well, they're probably looking for information uh, on a specific product or service, or they are looking for information to solve a problem that they have, right? unaware yet of what the solution is. So if you just advertise to them, buy my product, buy my product, buy my product, number one, most people are going to be repulsed and turned off. Yeah. Number two, there's some people that don't know that your product is a solution to their problem, so they pay it no attention, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, authority marketing is instead saying, let me help you answer, let me answer the questions to the problems you have, right? Let me share my expertise with you to help you make a better decision. And once you consume my content, <laughs> Once you consume the knowledge that I have to share with you, if you're impressed, if it helps you, then you're now going to be receptive to, well, tell me how could you help me more? And how you can help me more is probably by me becoming a customer of your company. Right. Right. right, right. So you asked me the question, well, well, where do you start? Right. Exactly. So I'll use a parallel example. Uh, the reason I'm in Palm Springs is uh, I just spoke at the Ormco Forum. And Ormco is one of the largest suppliers of orthodontics products to huh. orthodontists all over the world. And every year they do a conference and it's education for orthodontists. And so they asked me to come out and do a keynote speech on authority marketing for orthodontists. Wow. So... I had the pleasure to speak to a couple of hundred orthodontists and share this incredible message with them. And when I was done speaking, the number one question that I got was, well, if I were to write a book, what in the world would I write my book about? Good point. Yeah. Okay? You're asking me the same question, essentially, where do I start? Right. And so I say this, what are the 10 most common questions that you get from prospective customers. I don't care what industry, I don't care what business you're in. What are the 10 most common questions you get from prospective customers? Right. You now have a 10 chapter book. Mm. Each one of those questions you need to answer. And each answer is a chapter in your book. Right. So if you want to be seen as an authority where people will consume your information, you'll help them make better decisions. And then some of those people will be so impressed with your solutions that they'll say, hey, Casey, 
I'd like to learn more about what your company does and how it could perhaps help me. Mm -hmm. It all starts with answer the questions that are keeping your prospects awake at night. And if you can yeah. do that, you've got them hooked. Right. And it's something that they'll actually want to read because if they look at the chapter listing and they go, oh, I was wondering about that and that and that. That's right. <laughs> this is something I want to actually read as opposed to just making it for the sake of making it. And you're, that's not authority. That's a waste of time probably. Yes. Yeah, so, so we say all the time that you've got to bait the hook to suit the fish, <laughs> not the fisherman. Right. And a lot of people that write books, they write the book that they want to write. Well, if you want a book that will help you make money, that will help you grow your business, you don't write the book that you want to write. You write the book that your prospective customer wants to read. And the reason they want to read that book is because it answers the questions that are keeping them awake at night. Right. Right. So true. I mean, I'm sure you see a lot of wormy books that were, uh, fishermen don't even eat worms. Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I'm sure you've seen a lot of books out there that are, you know, it's an artistic piece that no one necessarily wants to read because it wasn't written with anyone in mind. Exactly. So, you know, a, a lot of books that are written, especially nonfiction business books, right. They're, they're kind of puff pieces. Um, you know, some people would say they're vanity projects. Other people mm. would say, well, gee, the, the author sure has a big ego and they just want to <laughs> talk about themselves in a book. And I, I think that that's a bad idea because you're not solving a problem that anybody has, right? Your book has to be about solving a problem that people have. And by reading your book, by consuming your content, by listening to what you have to say, you're going to educate them and you're going to help them solve their problem. Yeah, that makes sense. That, uh, and I love starting with the questions too. It puts the focus back on the buyer, back on your prospect, not you. It's not your ten, the 10 questions you like to answer. It's the 10 questions that people are dying to get answered and it's stressing them out. That's right. That's exactly right. So thinking about the tactics, I actually remember used to have this thing on my wall. It was this really cool chart that showed all these different tactics for authority marketing. I'm sure you've seen new ones now and the old standbys. Do you have a go-to list? Like we've done our question work. Now do you yep. then translate that into tactics? And is it book always it? Or is that one of the pieces? Or how, how do you kind of arrange the tactics around it? Yeah, great question. So uh, so w we have a analogy that we use uh, when we speak and when we teach and we, we call it the authority Coliseum. Nice. Uh, our goal is to help people create their own authority Coliseum. And um, I, I don't know if you've ever been to the Coliseum in Rome. I have. Right. Um, but it was built in 70 AD. So it is uh, 1,950 years old. Jeez. So here is a Colosseum that has truly stood the test of time. And the reason we use the term Colosseum is because if you do it right, if you position yourself and build yourself as an authority, uh, it can last you for the rest of your career. Mm, right? It, it, it's one of the smartest and one of the most cost-effective forms of marketing because of its longevity, 
So um, let's talk about what goes into an authority coliseum. So the foundation of your coliseum, the foundation of authority, hands down, there's nothing better, is, is writing a book. Um, and look, I, I'm not here to promote books. I'm just giving you the facts and the data. Right. And the, fa the facts and the data show that when you write a book, when you are seen as, introduced as the author of a book on the topic, mm. immediately people see you in a different light. Why is that, do you think? Well, uh, so the reason is we as humans uh, are extremely illogical, right? <laughs> um, we're highly emotive and we make purchase decisions. We make instinctive decisions for emotive reasons. And then, you know, typically we back it up with logic. Right. So look, um, let's say you and I do the same thing. And let's say we've been in the same industry for 20 years. You sure. Uh, I write a book, but you don't. Okay. Right. I just now, work with customers all day and don't, you don't have time. It's like, the, it's like the other example, right? The guy who just was grinding it out and right. like, I'll, get, I'll get there eventually. That's right. So do, do I know more than you? because I wrote the book? Well, no, I don't. I mean, you and I have been doing the same thing for the last 20 years. We're in the sure. same industry. We're both really smart. Right. So you and I both have the same amount of knowledge. Yeah. But because <clears throat> I wrote a book, because I was willing to kind of shine that spotlight down on me, perceptually, to people on the outside looking in, they now think I know more than you do. Wow. And so if they want an answer, who are they going to come to first? Well, they're going to come to me first, right? So you and I are here, 20 years, same industry, both really smart people. Right. But as soon as I write the book on the topic, I'm now up here. And it's right? sort of the illogical thing where it's like, well, there's a book and you don't have a book. So it... Well, People, here's the story people tell themselves. They say, well, gee, he or she wrote the book on it. <laughs> they must be an expert. Right. Right? Now, now, here's what I want you to remember. Most people, like, have a hard time just writing an email. Sure. Okay? You know, a book is 30, 35, 40,000 words. T to most people, the idea of being able to sit down and create 30, 35, 40,000 words on one topic, it's a very daunting idea. And so the amount of Which is pretty accurate. Respect, <laughs> right? Right. So the amount of respect that people have for you for accomplishing that feat, it, it's incredible. So let me use an analogy for a minute. Um, if you ran a marathon, that would be 26.2 miles. Right. Uh, the average American can barely walk a mile, let alone run 26.2. Sure. And so most people, if they meet somebody that's run a marathon, they're like, wow, that's, that's really impressive. Hey, kudos to you. You, you mm -hmm. got my respect. Right. The same is true with a book. Right right? The book is the marathon. You know, the email is you walking to your mailbox every day. Right. 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 
So and few, so few people have done it compared to everyone's written an email. Not everyone's written a book. Exactly. Yeah. So few people have done it. So we like to say that the foundation of authority begins with a book. So the pillars that will support the roof line of your Coliseum. Number one is what we call branding and omnipresence. So building your authority brand. Uh, building your authority brand uh, is online and offline. Uh, but there's a lot today that's done online, right? So building your authority brand is creating what we call an authority brand website. Hmm. So for me, it would be adamwitty.com. Now, you can go to my company website, which is advantagefamily.com. And yes, I, I started the company, but I have my own personal brand website because I speak because I write books, because I am a thought leader on marketing for entrepreneurs and business owners all over the world, mm -hmm. right? So that's a, that's a part of building my brand and omnipresence. Um, social media, you can build your brand and create omnipresence through social media, right? I mean, omnipresence defined as feeling like I see you, I hear about you. It's, as, it's almost like you're everywhere, right? You, you physically can't be, but I feel like I hear your name all the time. Right. People, are, people talk about you. Right. I was just talking right? about you the other day. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, so, so that is omnipresence, right? So, so that's the first pillar of authority. So is, you get a website, but then how do you get omnipresent though? How, how, do you, how are well, you everywhere for everyone? Well, well, so here, here's a great way you can actually buy omnipresence through retargeting, mm. right? Go, going right. back to what is omnipresence? I, I feel like I see you everywhere. Well, that's what retargeting does. Right. Now, if you're on social media and these people are following you on social media and whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, if you're contributing content through those platforms, Man, I feel like I see your name pop up all the time. Yeah, that's Man, a good point. I'm, I'm always reading something about you. Yeah. Right? Which, which then brings us to the next pillar, which is content marketing. Hmm. And, and oh, by the way, Casey, you know, the more content that you create, the more omnipresence that you create. Right? That's so, yep. so content marketing, of course, a book is content. So that's truly content marketing. Um, this podcast that you and I are doing, this is content marketing. Because see, instead of you saying to all of your listeners, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, right. you're saying, hey, let me give you value. Yeah. Let, let me educate you. Let me teach you. And then if I do my job, some of you are going to say, hey, Casey, I, I want to work with your company. Tell me yeah. more about what you do. Right. They might right? navigate over to Amazon and type in marketing automation unleashed and then hit buy on Kindle or yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Which <laughs> they read your book. Sure. And then your book leads them ultimately to your company. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so content marketing, books, articles, podcasts, social media, uh, anything you can do to teach and educate your ideal target customer 
that's what content marketing is. Okay. So I'll give you a great example. Um, I was in an airport recently and I was, uh, I was at Charleston International, Dallas, Fort Worth and Palm Springs. And in Dallas, I go into a Hudson bookstore and I'm looking at the magazines and Airbnb has a magazine. It's called Airbnb magazine. Now I knew this, but I knew it only because I studied this, right? That's my job to know right. what's going on. Right, right. So I open up the Airbnb magazine. Now, what do you think the Airbnb magazine's about? Different places you can stay, probably. It's about travel. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And all of these articles about travel, then they feature some of the really cool places. Absolutely. That you can stay. So like what in the world does Airbnb have any business doing <laughs> creating a magazine, a right. print, a print magazine. Well, that's content marketing. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. content marketing. Instead of saying, Hey, stay at my place, stay at my place, stay at my place and use Airbnb to do it. Right. Well, let us tell you about the 10 killer things to do in Austin, Texas. If you only have a two day weekend. Yeah. We're going to tell you the 10 killer things to do, and then we're going to integrate and weave into that article some of the cool places you can stay and some of the cool experiences you can have through Airbnb. And your filter for ads was probably up outside the bookstore. You're just like, okay, I'm sure there are advertisements in airports. I don't even remember any of them because like my filter's on. I'm not, you know, unless I'm in marketing mode when I turn it on again, but usually it's off. Uh, but you're right, in a bookstore, it's almost like you drop the filter and you sort of like, what wisdom, come at me, wisdom. What, what should I be learning about here? And then there's a, there's a brand hit like Airbnb. And then, oh, maybe you read the whole thing. And that, that's like better than, it's like you're paying for their advertisement. It's fantastic. Exactly. And so you just hit the nail on the head, which is one of the most important points that I want to make. And that is that when, when you're advertising, when you're trying to sell something, people's guard goes way up. Yeah. But when you're just trying to educate somebody, when you're just trying to help somebody make a better decision, the guard goes way down. And people are much more receptive to your message. So if you take nothing else from this podcast, that would be it. That when you're advertising, when you're saying, buy my product, people's guard goes way up and they don't want to hear or see what you're saying because they think you're trying to sell them something. Right. Right. People don't want to be sold things. Let me ask you a question. You've probably walked into a store before and a clerk comes up to you and they say, can I help you? Mm, Yeah. And, And what do you normally say? Um, yeah, double espresso, please. <laughs> so if you're going into a retail store, uh, like say clothes, you probably oh. say, Oh, no, no I'm all set. I'm just looking. Yeah. Just looking. Yeah. Right. No, no, I'm just looking. Well, you know, BS, right. You did not walk into the store unless you were hoping that you might find something that you would want to buy. That's a good point. Yeah. Right? But as soon as the salesperson comes up to you, your guard goes up 
Yeah. And you lie to them. You're like, go away. <laughs> right. That's what you're saying. Go away. No, I'm just looking. See, no, I'm just looking is the way that we tell the salesperson to go away. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, we're hoping to find something in that store that we want to buy. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gone in. Right. So, so that's the takeaway is that when you're advertising and selling, everybody's guard goes way up. But when you're educating, when you're answering people's questions that are keeping them up at night, the guard goes way down and people are much more receptive to what you have to say. Amazing. Keep that guard down. Keep it down. And, and as, as a business owner, as a marketer, you can control what the message is so the guard goes up or the guard goes down, right? True. True. So, so let me give you the two other pillars of authority. Yeah, 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 definitely. Right? I don't want to, like a horizontal house or a coliseum needs to be, you know, flat. Right. We, we need to be able to support this roof that we're building. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about the roof too. So the, uh, the third pillar uh, is PR and media. Um, we like to say, and it's very true, people don't believe what you say about yourself. Uh, but they sure do believe what other people say about you. Yeah. And people trust what the media says about you. W- right or wrong. Again, going back to it's not logical. Mm-hmm. It's a motive, right? So if, if I go to your website and I say, as seen on ABC, Fox, CBS. Sure. Um, as, as heard on, you yeah. know, th- this station and this station and this station, right? As, as uh, appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Yeah. So I don't even know what you appeared in, were heard on, or were seen in. I don't even know what it's about. It, maybe mm. it's because you were a criminal. <laughs> but... That's but I don't getting some free PR. <laughs> you but, heard it but, here, folks. <laughs> right. I am not suggesting uh, that's the way to get in the news. <laughs> but here, here's the big point, is that people immediately jump to, oh, well, he must really know what he's talking about. Mm. He, he must be really smart. He must be an expert. That's what they're saying to themselves. Right. Right? So getting publicity being seen in, being heard on, as appeared in, those things matter. And, and they matter a lot. So even, even this day and age when we have a lot of skeptical people, cynical people around media and all that kind of stuff, is PR still a thing? It, has it changed any? Is it still yeah, so, so interviewed by an, an author or an, you know, an editor? 90% of the skepticism in media is around politics. Ah, okay. Right? See, people don't distrust the media reporting business news or health news or, um, you know, lifestyle news. Right. People, people, people distrust the media talking about politics. Right. Right? So assuming that you're not in the business of selling, you know, one political idea or philosophy over another, the bias doesn't transfer. It's only on the political side. Okay. Yeah, we've studied that. 
because that's one of the most common questions we get is, well, wait a minute, nobody trusts the media, so why should I care? Is that one of your top 10? <laughs> uh, people don't trust the media when it comes to po politics. Yeah, okay. Um, but everything else, people are good on, right? P P people aren't canceling Forbes or Bloomberg Business Week or Fortune saying this is all a bunch of crap. Right. Right. right? Now, they might say that about Fox News. They might say that about MSNBC. Sure. But they're not saying that about business. Business. Like, no one's like, oh, Harvard Business Review, a uh, bunch yeah. of idiots, right? Said no one ever. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's exactly right. Got it. Um, okay, so the fourth pillar. Yeah. To complete uh, our Coliseum. The fourth pillar is speaking. Okay. Um, now, look, not everybody wants to speak, and I get it. But hands down, when you speak, on what you know so much about, it uh, instantaneously builds your authority position. And, and if somebody spends 30 minutes or 60 minutes learning from you, listening to you, boy, they're gonna be really interested and receptive in what you have to not only say, but what it is that your company does. Mm -hmm. So, so let me take you back for a second. So um, I'm at this orthodontics conference and everybody um, there, you know, they're walking through the hallways and, and the, 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 the exhibit area, the trade show hall. And of course I spoke and um, we gave a free copy of my book, Authority Marketing, to anybody that came to hear me speak. And all they had to do at the end of the speech was just fill out a little form to give us all their contact information, uh, identified us if they wanted to learn more. Mm -hmm. And then they just brought it up to the stage when I was done and they got an autographed copy of my book. Okay. Every time I speak, I follow the exact same routine. Hmm. So at this conference, there's probably a thousand people at the conference. Wow. And you got, you got people walking all around the hotel and the convention area and, you know, a lot of people have like brochures, right, that they get from the different vendors. And usually those brochures go in a trash can about usually 50 to 100 yards in <laughs> front so of where, where they had just gotten it. But we don't throw books away. Right. Right? I mean, th that's a faux pas. It's sacrilege. Like, what are you going to do? Throw a book away? What are you, a book burner? Like, what are you going to do? It no. Exa exactly. In fact, we have shrines to books. They're called bookstores. They're called libraries. And they're called bookshelves. Mm -hmm. Right? We, we worship books. Yeah. So there are a couple hundred people walking around the conference, and they got my book tucked underneath their arm. Right. You cannot buy that kind of advertising. It's true. It wouldn't be possible, right? I had two people, two people come up to me at the conference who they had seen me speak about two weeks ago at another conference in the same industry. Mm. And both of them said, I read your book on the plane ride here. Okay. Wow. Now, look, I'm not bragging about me. Yeah, yeah, and no. Any author could do this. But the point is, 
people don't take your brochure with them on a road trip. That's true. But you do take books with you to read on the plane. Right. Let's get my uh, rum and Coke and let me pull out a brochure on the plane. No. No. <laughs> S- said no book, one ever. Yes. Right. right. Book for sure. So, so that's where it goes back to changing the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So people don't want to buy. People don't, or pe- I'm sorry, people don't want to be sold. Right. And, and when they see a brochure, they immediately say, you're trying to sell me something. Totally. Right. But when I autograph a copy of my book and hand it to you, they say, oh, I can learn something. And so once they're on the flight and they've got their cocktail and they're comfortable, they open up their briefcase and they pull out a book. Mm-hmm. And there's a high chance that book could be yours. Yeah. So branding and omnipresence, content marketing, PR and media, speaking. Okay, so these are the four pillars that are sitting on top of the foundation, which the foundation is authorship. Right. Okay, and, and remember, Casey, you can't spell authority without the word author. Wow, oh, so good. <laughs> right, first, first six letters of authority for author. Um, okay, so now let's talk about the roof yes. of the Colosseum. Is the roof on fire? Uh, the roof will be on fire with results. Okay, uh, <laughs> nice. So let me tell you what the three outcomes most business owners want. They're universal. Uh, I want more leads. I want more leads to become customers. And I want my customers to stay longer and tell all their friends about me. I want more referrals. Right. Right. Sounds good. Sign me up. I like all that right? Almost every business owner, that's what they want. Give me more leads. Give me more leads that turn into customers and give me more referrals. Right. You do those things for me and I am good. So how does having authority do that? Well, the more authority you have, the more attractive you are to people, you're going to generate more leads and you're going to generate higher quality leads. Yeah. Because you're going to generate leads from people that want to learn, are willing to invest in educating themselves to make a, small, uh, a smarter customer purchase decision. Yeah, you're going to capture the people that for sure don't want to be sold to and have avoided all of your selling traps. Correct. Yeah. So have, the more authority you have, the more leads you will generate in quantity and in quality. Okay, number two, conversion, right? Most companies generate leads that only a small percentage of actually buy, actually become customers, right? And so all of those leads that you generated that never buy, it's all waste. Yeah. Right? It's it's all waste. Sure. Right? So um, in order to be more resourceful, with the asset that you have, which are all these leads, you need to constantly work on, well, how do I improve and increase my conversion rate? Yeah. Right. The more authority you have, the more it puts you in a category of one. Mm -hmm. Now category of one means that all of their alternative purchase decisions don't look like you. They don't sound like you. 
They don't smell like you. Okay. You're different. And in the competitive marketplace, being different is actually a very good thing. And if what you do in any way could be construed as a commodity, meaning there's other people that essentially do the same thing. Yeah. Let's, let's take my orthodontists as an example. Man, I had a thousand orthodontists. They all thought they were the smartest folks, <laughs> right? They sure. thought they were really good. Best patient outcomes, best service, best care. All of them think that. And the truth is they're all really good at what they do. Right. And every one of them had other orthodontists in their community that are saying the exact same thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if I'm the buyer and you all look the same to me, what do I buy on? Well, I buy on price. Mm -hmm. And when it's a commodity, I don't buy the high price. No. I, I always buy the low price. Right. So the more authority you have, the more different you are. The more different you are, the less you can be commoditized. The less commoditized you are, the higher your conversion rate, right? Because mm -hmm. you're special, you're different, you're unique. Absolutely. And the less commoditized you are, the higher prices you can sell for. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because when everything else is an apple and you're an orange, can't do an apples to apples comparison. Right? Yeah. So yeah, think about apples to apples. Hey, it's an apple. It's an apple. Yeah. Right? Whenever somebody says, yeah, I, I'm just wanting to do an apples to apples comparison, that's code word for I'm, I'm wanting to buy the lowest price. That's a really good point. Yeah. Right? So your job is to make sure that you and your company are not seen as an apple. Yeah. Right? Um, Okay, then the third outcome is retention and referrals. Mm -hmm. so, so how does having authority help you get more referrals? So look, I, I don't know if you've ever gone to your customers, Casey, and said, hey, um, let me give you a stack of business cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, when you're out with friends and colleagues, you know, if you would mind, just pass my business cards out to people. <laughs> <sighs> that's not a terribly effective proposition. I was going to say, I haven't done it, but I was, try I was trying to wait to see if you were going to be like, this is the best idea ever. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is the worst idea ever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it sounds it. Your customers don't want to sell you to their friends. It makes them look cheap. Mm. And, you know, what if something goes wrong? Well, they don't right. want to look bad. Yeah, it's right? on them. It's on them. It's a big risk. Uh, however, if I've written a book on the topic and um, I give you five autographed copies of my book, what's the chance that if you had a friend that needed me, mm -hmm. you might say, hey, I, I got a book that you should read. Well, that's pretty harmless. You're not trying to sell your friend anything. Right. You're just saying, hey, you got a problem. There's a book that I've read that I think might solve your problem. Here you go. You should read it. Yeah. Yeah. Game changer. Totally Absolute. different. Different conversation. Yeah. It's a totally different conversation. 
And, and so that's why I say it, it's all about psychology. I mean, authority marketing really should be psychology more than anything else. Because that's what you're doing is when you are using authority marketing, you're playing a game that no one else knows is being played. Sure. It's like jujitsu. <laughs> I mean, really it is. So the more authority you have, uh, the more referrals you're going to get. Yeah. Because when you're seen as an authority, you know, your friends, you know, sometimes they brag about you. They tell their friends about you. And the more authority you have, the more important it makes them look if they're working with you. I'm, yeah, I'm working with so-and-so and they, they wrote the book on the topic. And I'm not giving you their brochure because I didn't take that either. I'm giving you a, a book and it's a gifting books is a nice thing. People appreciate that. Here's a brochure. I wanted to see if, thanks for the brochure. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you give me a brochure, I want to give you the middle finger, right? Right. Like, like what are thanks, you doing? Yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. Um, yeah. But like, hey, here's a book that you should read. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Thanks. Thanks. And because the book was recommended to me, I'll probably read it. Yeah. So, so true, right? Huh? Yeah. There's so, a face to a name and they said, read this thing. They read it. They like it. And they're working with someone who's related to it. And I, it's almost like I feel like I'm you know, Kevin Bacon, a few steps away from the author themselves because my friend's working with the author. Yeah, it's so true. And again, it's all psychology. Yeah. It is all psychology. So um, to, to, to wrap it up, you start with a book because hands down, it is the most effective way to build authority quickly. Sure. Branding and omnipresence, content marketing, speaking, PR and media. Those are four pillars that help build authority. And when you have authority, it makes you more attractive. So you're going to generate more leads. You're going to improve your conversion rate and you're going to have more referrals and longer retention from the customers you do have. It's a Coliseum, man. I can see it being built for the ages. I'd love to ask you for, cause I want to, I want to learn more about how you became this wizard of, of the high seas here, books and authority. And if, if someone's hung up on the book idea, they're like, yep. we just talked about how much hard work it is. Yeah. Uh, hours and all the respect that it garners, but yeah, it is hard work. Like I've got leads to get, I've got, you know, my CEO's busy. He's traveling all the time or I'm busy or whoever it is. Do you get a lot of the hangups on the book? And then how do you sort of help people get past that so they can, I mean, that's just the foundation. We haven't even built the pillars yet. Yeah. Yeah. So look, you can, you can do this without a book. We get asked the question all the time, do I have to do a book? No, you don't have to do a book, right? Um, you can build a house without a foundation. Will it last for dozens of years? Will it last for 1950 years? Well, without a foundation, I'm going to tell you, no, it won't. Mm -hmm. But can you build a house without a foundation? Yeah, of course you can, right? You don't have to do the book. And in many cases, you can start with content marketing. Hmm. You can start by building your authority brand website. You can work on the book. And then at some point down the road, introduce the book into it. But I will tell you that the book will make everything else easier. Mm, I can see that. Yeah, because as you're describing it, like 
the book's full of content. The book's full of things you can share on social. You can then speak about what you talked about in the book. So there's a lot of things that all, I can see how the, the foundation, you know, once it's in place, it's actually much easier to build everything else because you've got well solid stars. So you and I are doing a podcast interview, right? Yeah. Podcast is the newest, most cutting edge form of media. The spoken word on demand, right, right. is what they call it. So what are we largely talking about? We're talking about my book. Yeah. Right? So you never have to say, well, what am I going to talk about? We'll talk about your book. Teach yeah. people about your, what's in your book. Right. So, so whether it's speaking, whether it's an interview, PR and media, I mean, this is media, right? Talk about your book. Yeah. And, and the media, if you want more PR and media, they're not here to promote you and promote your company. But if you're here to talk about your newest book, well, they're receptive to that. Right, right. You know, as, as a podcast host too, I, I, I for sure, I mean, I've talked to some of the best amazing people and you can talk for hours. I feel like we can talk for hours. I've also talked to people who maybe can't talk, for, don't have too much to say. And, but for sure, whenever I see someone's an author and they're going to be on the show, it's like, well, you know for sure they have plenty to talk about that more than you can even cover in one episode. And it just, That's right. you just know that it's, and you're right. You don't even have to necessarily map out questions in advance. Like sometimes we do that. We're like, Hey, let's talk about this and this. Okay, great. In this case, it's like, to your point, just talk about the book. Like teach me what's in that book. Yeah, It makes the prep pretty darn easy. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And the easier you make the prep on your guest, or I'm sorry, on the host, the more likely the host is to want to interview you. Right. Because you got so much to do, right? If you have a guest that makes it easy for you to interview them, you'll take them all day long. Right. Right. Yeah. And then that gets you more of that, that pillar, that PR media pillar getting mm -hmm. out there in front of folks. Do you, any, any word of advice for different um, marketers and, and the speakers out there on the, on the speaking side in terms of, I mean, you could speak everywhere. You've spoken mm -hmm. on orthodontics conference. I assume you got, paid for that but like it, other than that i mean if you're just trying to get yourself out there do you just speak for the sake of it do you need to pinpoint is there a middle ground how do you that's a that's a really good question so two things number one is you can speak for fee which means you get paid to go give a speech number two you can speak for free right and if you're going to speak for free um, you need to be speaking to audiences of people uh, that have the capacity and ability to hire your company and do business with them. Mm. So you've got to speak to people that can give you money. Right. Okay. So let's use my example um, with the orthodontics conference I just spoke at. So the conference I just spoke at, uh, they don't pay any of their speakers. Hmm. Never have, never will. And in the industry, it's an honor to be asked to speak at one of their events. Was there some free dental service involved? Or? <laughs> you, you're noticing my pearly whites look pretty I, good, right? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. You got some authority marketing teeth right there. That's right? Good. So what you don't know, Casey, is that one of the largest niches that our company serves, orthodontists. Really? We have done books. And we have created authority for over a hundred orthodontists. Really? 
it's a it's a little niche for us. Right. It's a little honeypot for us. Right. Orthodontists are great clients that we can really help and get significant results for. Mm -hmm. So the reason I was willing to get on a plane and fly across the country for for no for no fee, no money, right. was and you because paid for your own travel. And I paid for my own travel. Yeah. Because I knew if I had the opportunity to get in front of a few hundred orthodontists and share my message and get my book in their hands, mm -hmm. I, I know that four to six of them will become authors. Wow. Like I, I know it. I just know it based on having done this now for a good bit of time. Right. And, and I know what an author is worth to our company. Right. And so I can do the math. And if I say, well, worst case, I get four. Best case, I get six or seven. Here's how much that's worth to our company. It was a pretty easy decision for me yeah, to get on no the plane. Yeah, it pays for itself, for sure. Mm -hmm. yep. and, and what happens if you really knock it out of the park and like hundreds of them are signing up, then I'll do that one all day, right? <laughs> Fly me out next year too. A absolutely. So if you're going to speak, um, and, and look, getting paid to speak is hard. Um, mm. th there's a lot of people out there that want to get paid to, to speak, and, and there's some very good speakers. But I would say to you, if you're a business owner, and the reason you wrote your book was to educate your ideal target client, then speaking for free is perfectly acceptable mm -hmm. as long as you're speaking to a group that has your prospective target customer sitting in the room. Right. I like that. Someone who can buy from you that day or, you know, shortly thereafter. That's right. Yeah. That's smart because I think otherwise you could end up speaking in a thousand different places and, you know, spending a lot of travel budget only to try to figure out what did that actually do? Right. I could go speak to K through 12 teachers in Nebraska. Well, I've done books for over 1,500 CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business leaders, and not a one of them is a K through 12 teacher. Right. Now look, that doesn't mean that there isn't a chance that one of them has a spouse that's a CEO, entrepreneur, or business owner, and they don't get so excited that they go home they tell their spouse about me and they end up doing a book. It could happen. It could happen. True. But I'm not going to bet on it. Right. I'm not going to bank on it. And if I can't bank on it, I'm not getting on a plane and going to speak for free. And good luck tracking that in Pardot too. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, the, this is, oh man, you know, it just kind of puts it all together and the, the, the idea of, a book, does it have to be the long 35,000 billion page book or booklets? Are, are they in these days? Like the Dan Sullivan type little booklet or what's your take on you know, the size and shape so of these things? It can be smaller. Okay. Okay. However, if you want people to salute the flag and stand up because you wrote a book. Right. It's got to look like a book. Right. And if it's like a leaflet, well, then they're going to say, oh, you wrote a leaflet. <laughs> they're, they're, not gonna, they're not going to yeah. say you, you wrote a book, right. right? 
so it might look like a brochure. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. It, it doesn't have to be 30 or 35 or 40,000 words. It can be smaller. Yeah. But it needs to look and feel like a book. Right? Because if it doesn't feel like a book, people aren't going to, in their mind, give you credit for writing a book. Right. Got that smooth, glossy cover with a nice, cool picture of rockets on the front. And yeah. It, you know, we always say this your book has got to look as good and read as good as a book you'd find on the front table at Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't, then people dismiss you in their mind. Oh, yeah. He self published the book. It looks like crap. I don't give it any credence whatsoever. Right. It's like stapled together. Printed it as staples. Yeah. Spiral bound it. That's a problem. It, <laughs> it, it does not build your authority up. Right. In fact, if the book looks really bad, it can actually destroy your credibility. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it's all the, all the trappings too, if it, you know, looks and feels like a book or a duck, then it, you know, and it quacks and, you know, being on Amazon, you know, having it on Amazon, it's prime. You like, I, I just remember when I was able to search like Casey Cheshire and like, where's this thing? You're like, Oh my gosh. Like you shop on this thing all the time. I'm, I'm impressed. And it, it's almost like, it's not even me, but like, I'm impressed with myself on that. Like, Whoa. And if that's how I feel, then you could see how the authority of that it's, it's different. It's not just some little leaflet we printed to your point. It's like, it's a thing. It's How long cool. is it going to take if people get started tomorrow? So start to finish to do a, to do a real book. Um, six to eight months. Okay. Yep. So like, not like that. Yeah. And six to eight months, this is a book that, you know, is very feasible, right? I mean, the average author that writes a book completely on their own with no help, right? Our, our company helps you get it done. Right, right. Um, the average author that has no help spends about three and a half years, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the average author that we work with is six to eight months. Sure. Right? And probably you. I don't know how long it took for you off the top of my head. But I was, was, I was a, a ruddy stepchild uh, when it came. Like, I, in, I started writing about something that I loosely knew about, and then I read restarted and shifted to writing about the core of what I do and know and love, which is marketing automation. Right. So I started sort of higher level ethereal type theory. And then I was like, wait, wait, people need the, need the basics, need the core here. So I kind of like shifted and that, that took some time, but, um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it was a lot faster for me too. Um, once it, once it got down, but I even had to go from 45,000 words to 35,000 words, which actually was a good exercise because, I would say, hmm, is it really worth these three paragraphs? Nope, <laughs> it's not. Well, and the, the other neat thing is that those 10,000 words that you cut, you know, that are quote unquote sitting on the cutting room floor, I mean, those 10,000 words could be reused, recycled, repurposed into an article. That's a good point. Into blog posts, into a special report, into some other form of content. Right. Right. And for most of our authors, Casey, you know, they're not necessarily writers themselves. And so we have a team of over a hundred ghostwriters. And so we typically will have a ghostwriter work with one of our authors to help them get all the content, all the expertise out of their head and to help them get it, you know, fashioned into a book form. It is a magical process. I would say it does help having a spirit animal guide along there with you to, uh, and also even just 
you know, keep you going, make sure you're staying on deadline and target and everything. So uh, for sure, you definitely, you know, building a foundation, house, book, any of this stuff, it's helpful to have uh, a team with you for sure. Yeah. Who are you? How, like, how, how did you become the czar of, of authority marketing? And you've got seven books, I probably yeah. eight or nine by the time this gets released. Like, take us back, like little Adam days. Did you always know you're going to get into marketing and all this kind of stuff? So, uh, so, so little Adam um, worked for a publishing company for two summers in high school. No kidding. Thought I'd hate it. Ended up kind of liking it, finding it enjoyable, neat, exciting. And now, I quick go question. Why did you think you're going to hate it? Why did you actually like it? I thought it'd be boring. Okay. And maybe I'm boring. And so it yeah. was boring and it suited me, but, but no, I just thought it would be <laughs> kind of mundane and quiet and just kind of like steady Eddie. Sure. And, and I'm not a steady Eddie kind of guy. Sure. And I actually found it pretty interesting and captivating. And I was probably more drawn to like how books are marketed, how books are sold. Yeah. That I found really interesting. And so I ended up finding these two years kind of enjoyable and engaging. I go off to college uh, thinking not another second, not another ounce about books again. Yeah. I go off to college uh, and I uh, get a phone call from the, the guy that I worked for when I was an intern. He, he was the head of sales of the company. And he said, hey, I'm thinking about starting this business. Um, why don't you come join me? You know, why, why don't you be a business partner of mine? While you're in college? While I'm in college. I, I was close to graduating. Okay. And so this would have been like what I would do post-college. Now, I had started a business in college out of my dorm room. So I, I had an entrepreneurial itch. I had a little mm -hmm. bit of an entrepreneurial bug. And uh, I go off uh, when I graduate. And uh, I got this other little business kind of on the side that I'm running. And uh, I decide to go work with this gentleman uh, to help him start this publishing business. And, and although he and I together as business partners didn't last long term, you know, we kind of had different visions of where we thought the company should go. It got me into the game. And uh, I really liked the game. Mm. And uh, a mentor of mine who was a well-known business person in Central Florida, which is where I grew up as a, as a child. Uh, a mentor of mine, he said, Adam, you should start a publishing company for business people. Mm -hmm. He said, every CEO needs to have a book because when they write the book on the topic, they're the person that everybody wants to go to. Great advice. And I, I didn't really know any better. It sounded like a good idea to me. So I listened to him <laughs> and, um, you know, that was, um, 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, and so today advantage Forbes books uh, we're one of the larger business book publishers in the world yeah and and we're the only company um, that exists to create authority for our our authors for our, our clients right uh, and so you know we really have put a lot of energy into putting ourselves in a category of one which is being that authority marketing company yeah right? Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of people that can publish books. Mm -hmm. You could do it yourself, but truly helping create authority. That's something that really no one else does. 
Right. And, and you've got a great Coliseum. We, we got a great Coliseum. Yeah, yeah you, got a great, you got a great Coliseum. The founder has written a book about authority marketing. And I just think about your introduction. And, and I kind of like try to, you know, piece together this introduction and what I even just naturally organically picked out of your profiles and other things to say about you almost hits on each one of these pillars with the book with where you've been featured on where you've been you know the different media sources as well as um you know the different different labels there so yeah yeah it's it's great seeing it's it's like doing what you're saying that other people should do oh listen we uh we practice what we preach yeah uh we eat our own dog food and it works Mm -hmm. we we believe in it um hands down one of the most effective ways we get new authors are people that see hear about and read my book and so our marketing as a company is really marketing the book Mm -hmm. not marketing the business right market the market the book not the business it's very interesting i like that that's a a fantastic takeaway especially if you have the book so or content for everyone else market the content not the company it's Nobody cares about you, but if you can help them solve the problem, that gets their attention. That's right. I, I can't imagine all the kind of different lessons you've learned across the, the years and whatnot. If you could be put magically, because I invented one, a time machine, mm. it sent you back to the beginning of your career, maybe right around that time the phone calls happening in college or whatnot, yeah. what would you advise yourself knowing what you know, having experienced what you've experienced? Yeah, so, so I would advise myself if I could go back and do it all over again. Um, I, I would advise myself of a couple things. One is um, I would remind myself that the, the riches are in the niches. And what I mean by that is like everybody wants to create the next Facebook and Google, right? Yeah. Every, everybody wants to be the next Facebook and Google. Um, but in our lifetimes, we will only see a handful of Facebooks and Googles in our lifetimes, right? right? And Facebook and Google are two out of hundreds of thousands of startups that have come and burned down since, right? (laughs) Pets.com, hey. Right, you you name it, toys.com, right? I mean, jet.com is losing money hand over fist. So, so, Facebook, Google, Amazon, these are rare birds. Mm -hmm. And these are mass market companies where when you ask them who's your target customer, they're going to say just about everyone is their target customer. Mm -hmm. And everybody loves the idea of creating a company where their target customer is everyone because they think, well, that's how I get really, really rich. Right. But see, I like to play the odds. And I like to do anything I can to improve my odds. And so if you start a business and you niche that business to a very small audience, your chances of success are now exponentially higher. Okay. Um, My friend and Advantage author, Ian McNichol, he he has a marketing agency. That's his business. Well, there are tens of thousands of marketing agencies in the U.S. For sure. However, Ian's marketing agency only works with dentists. With That's what? All they do. Dentists. 
dentist. Wow. So they are a marketing agency for dentists. And if you're a financial advisor and you want to hire his company, you can't do it. So now, instead of Ian McNichol saying, hey, my target customer is anybody, mm -hmm. his target customer is a dentist. Yeah. And he could even get more specific with you. It's yeah. not just any dentist. It's a dentist that fits within this box. Wow. Well, Ian could probably buy a list and maybe it's 50, 60, 70,000 people that fit into that box. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to get in front of 50, 60, 70,000 people where you can create a list to know who all those people are. Yeah. Than it is to say, oh, my company, my product is for anyone. Yeah. And considering that you probably don't have unlimited funds because you just started your business, uh, marketing to everyone's a pretty expensive proposition. For sure. Boiling right. the ocean, right? Is what they call it. However, marketing to dentists and only 40, 50, 60,000 of them, well, he could advertise on dentaltown.com. Yeah. He could go to the ADA conference each year. He could send direct mail out to segments of that list. Right. He could be on any podcast, and there are podcasts just for dentists. Wow. Right? So he can target his marketing really, really narrow, which is going to give him an amplification effect on the dollars he spends. More bang for the buck. Right. So if I could go back and give myself advice, uh, the advice would be the riches are in the niches, create a business that is deliberately for a certain type of person and make sure that you market it, you talk about it and you brag about it all the time. If I had to give myself a second piece of advice, it would be to create a product or service that is recurring revenue in nature mm where if you do a good job, your customer will never leave you. Right. They will never not need you, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the challenges about being in the business that we're in of helping people write and publish books and helping people build their authority is that writing a book for a lot of people is a one and done thing. It's a transaction. Yeah, as a project, a, as a, like a one-time project, yeah. It's a, it's a project, just like building a house. Yeah. Right? Once you build my house for me, I may never need another house again. I loved you. I thought <laughs> you were great, but I couldn't give you more money even if I wanted to. Right. Right? Because you don't have anything that I need. Right. So if I could give myself a piece of advice, it would be to have a business with products and services where if you do a good job, people will never not stop paying you. Right. Yeah, that golden recurring revenue is just something otherworldly about it when compared to the projects and the risk of projects and the risk of the one-time fees and having to continually sell over and over again to new people. That's right. Wow. You know, um, this, this has been fantastic. You know, I, I think... Um, you're you're in Palm Springs just a little bit to uh, you do some speaking here and there. How 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 are you kind of like keeping keeping things real and having fun outside of work and and all the travel? Yeah. So um, so for fun, I have a couple of hobbies. Uh, one is I'm a pilot, and so I love to fly. Does it feel cool saying that? 
<laughs> Have it you does. talked about that? It does. And I, actually, I talk about it when I speak. I say that, look, you know, um, niches and subcultures, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, or a lot of people call it affinity. Um, mm. So when you have affinity, right? Like I'm a Clemson graduate. I'm a pilot. I'm an Eagle Scout, right? When I say those things and I meet somebody that is one of those three or multiple of those three, there's an instant connection. Right. And, you know, being a pilot is kind of like, oh, wow. Well, that's pretty impressive. I, I met somebody the other day. He speaks four languages. Jeez. I'm like, whoa. Whew. Like, kudos and respect to you. Like, I just, the, the amount of respect I have for you just went from here to here. Just hearing you say, I speak four languages. I'd be happy with two. <laughs> right? Me, me as well. Um, so being a pilot, there's a little bit of that, right? For sure. So, yeah, it is. I mean, look, it's a passion. It's a great hobby. I love it. Uh, does it also give me some authority? Believe it or not, it does. Yeah. And I remember when I asked you about the, the piloting, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a pilot. I, I have like 25 training hours, right? But I think yours was like 250 or more yeah. when we last chatted. Has it gone up since then? Like It, it, it has. Yeah. So like... It, for me, I go, oh, okay, it's all relative. Like, wow, like that's, that's real. And you've got your license and you're, are you still working on the IFR training? And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you're right. It does the level of respect. I mean, we respect pilots because it, I think we feel like there's, it's this, it's all, it's all chill, but it's like a very serious game. You know, it's like a. Um, it's a serious game. It requires a lot of hard work. It requires yeah. study. Yeah. It requires application. Like it, it just requires a lot of traits that people admire. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying I, I can only handle halfway, halfway flight. So I like to jump out. I can, I can manage to be organized during a, during a and descent. Then, yeah. Which, <laughs> which a lot of respect and kudos for people that jump out of airplanes. Yeah. Cause you're like, why would you jump out? <laughs> the door was open, you know, why not? Um, Man, and you, know, you mentioned the Eagle Scout too. I am too. So kind of to your yep. point, Eagle Scout, I go, hey, me too. Cool. You know, what was your project? Blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing. It kind of, it's a neat way of sort of connecting with people. And uh, do you have kids and how are you going to get them into scouting? And what's your thought? So uh, my, my wife, Erin, and I were married in November. And of course, uh, this is... Congratulations. Here I'm trying to give you kids already. And you just got Yeah. Married. We've only been married for about 90 days. So, uh, so no children yet, but I'm sure that's in the plans. Yeah. I won't even knock a wood right now. Like enjoy, you know, no rush. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy, right. enjoy travel and all that. Um, fantastic. Um, man, this has been great. Where can people connect with you? Where can they find out more about advantage and Forbes? Yep. Throw some links out at us, some social media sites, all that good stuff. So, um, advantagefamily.com, advantagefamily.com is the website. Uh, authoritymarketingbook.com authoritymarketingbook.com uh, you can also find the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or anywhere books are sold and then for me uh, adamwitty.com so uh, A-D-A-M witty W-I-T-T-Y um, and then for anybody that just really loved this if you want to reach out or connect with me directly uh, I'll give you an email address. You can reach out to me, which is a witty, A-W-I-T-T-Y, at advantage, 
www, like Advantage Worldwide, advantageww.com. And uh, social media-wise, Casey, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, uh, is, is my main platform. So I'd love for people to connect with me there too. Awesome. Fantastic. I mean, thank you so much for coming on here. There's, there's been so many like learning points and we built a Coliseum together. This has been fantastic. We've done a lot in 90 minutes. We have, we really have. And time has just like flown by just like that. Um, well, for those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here. I built my Coliseum then share this with someone. Be a thought leader, sharing valuable content. Maybe this is one of your pillars. Get this information to other people. Tell them about Adam. Tell them about that book. Tell them about the, tell them about the authority marketing book. And, um, and you know, be that one that's sharing the things and, and then garnering the respect that comes from that kind of an activity. Uh, fantastic stuff. Adam, again, thank you so much. Casey, a lot of fun. Thanks so much. You bet. Enjoy Palm Springs. And for everyone else out there, not in Palm Springs, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway, if you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right, we'll see you all in the next one.